0: Hi, I'm Laura Brady, CEO of Concierge Auctions.
1: And hi, I'm Chad Roffers, Chairman of Concierge Auctions.
0: And this is Block Talk. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by four industry leaders on the West Coast of the U.S. We have Matt Beal with us, who is the founder and owner and runner and all things (laughs) in charge at Hawaii Life Real Estate Brokers. Next up, we have John McMonigal of the McMonigal team. John is in the San Diego, Newport Beach, California market. We have Kristen Ruth Silberman of Synergy Sotheby's International Realty in Las Vegas. Welcome, Kristen. And Frank Azami with Russ Lyon, Sotheby's International Realty in Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome, Frank. All four of our panelists today are not only experts in the luxury real estate market in their local markets and nationwide, internationally, but also really good friends and advisors to us at Concierge Auctions. All four have been on our advisory board for the past two years. So we've gotten some really great insights and are excited to share those with y'all today. Before we get started, I'm going to give just a little um, precursor about who we are at Concierge Auctions and why we are hosting this webinar today. So for those who don't know us, um, we founded the company Chad and I in 2008. So we're going on 12 plus years as a solution for buying and selling high-end real estate on an accelerated timeframe. So we use an auction platform, we partner with the real estate brokerage community, and we match sellers of one-of-a-kind properties, and they're representing real estate agents with the most capable buyers on the planet. So we have conducted over 2.5 billion in sales across 29 countries and 40 US states. Particularly, we get a lot of kudos for the database that we have amassed, which Kristen, Matt, Frank, and John have helped us through a lot of transactions that continue to grow our database and reach that we're able to get to with every property that we sell. Then also, as I mentioned, we partner with the brokerage community. So Chad, do you want to touch on that for just a sec?
1: Sure, I'd be delighted to. So you know, one of the core principles of our business is to work in conjunction with rather than in lieu of qualified agents, listing agents, and buyer brokers in the given markets around the world we deal in. In fact, we've never conducted a transaction without partnering with a local broker. And the reason is really simple. We know we get better results by working alongside the brokerage community. And certainly you know, our database and our marketing will bring significant new demand to a given property, but also aligning with and aggregating the demand in a local market is really important. And our local broker partners are the key to to making sure that happens.
0: So today we are going to be talking with our esteemed panelists about what is happening at the upper end of the West Coast markets. What's the current landscape of the industry across their markets and some real time advice for luxury sellers, agents and buyers about how to not only work in the situation that we're in right now with the pandemic, a lot of shelters in place, you know, a lot of kind of headwinds and pivots that everybody's having to make right now, but also how to best position yourself when the industry does clear a little bit and um, there is more movement. When I say movement, it's not that there isn't any right now. I'm sure Frank will chime in. He just had a showing and John McMonigle just wrote a $50 million offer this morning. So there's a lot going on. So we want this to be an open discussion with all of our panelists today. We'll be kind of tossing around. There's a question section. We're going to do Q&A at the end. And in between now and then, you can type in any question. Our team's going to be collecting those so that we can answer them towards the end. Okay, so let's get going. Kristen, you want to start with us just kind of talking about the state of the market in your current market, and let's kind of go around the horn with all four of you. Give us a snippet of what's happening in Las Vegas right now.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Laura, and thanks, Chad. Thanks, Concierge Auction, for having me and letting me participate. I'm super happy to be a panelist with all of you guys, and I consider you great friends and colleagues as well. So in Las Vegas, the real estate market has always been considered an essential business. So we've been able to conduct business. The only two things that we can't do, hold open houses and then also show properties that have tenants in them. Las Vegas is certainly known for having like wild swings. I'm happy to say that Las Vegas is not having we're super right in the middle of most states right now. In April, our low for luxury market, we are off our numbers by 44%. The first week in May, we're off of those numbers by about 21%. So We're actually, relatively speaking, in this COVID environment, having a stable market. I know we're going to talk about some of those things. But as of today, if you asked me this a month ago, I would have said, you know, we were off our numbers by 44%. But right now, we're off our numbers by about 21% in the luxury market category.
1: Just kind of speaking to that, I mean, I know one of the things, you know, you and I were on a call yesterday with a potential seller, One of the things I found really interesting on that call was the seller has a condominium, a three, four million dollar condominium, and their theory has been kind of holding on until the Raiders come to town and, and buy. And you were talking a little bit about really, you know, kind of that may or may not be a good strategy, but where the demand is and where the people are coming from. And are you continuing to see that in terms of, you know, the continued influx of Californians and you know, the McDonald Highlands of the world being kind of the in vogue spots?
2: Yeah, for sure. So our number one feeder market is always Southern California. We like to say that the governor of California is our biggest luxury real estate cheerleader. And the reason why is because, you know, of course, Las Vegas and Nevada is a zero. We have zero state income and personal income and corporate income tax. So we're a tax haven. And then so most of our buyers, we see the luxury buyers are coming from Southern California. And if we narrow cast it, I mean, they're coming from conservative Orange County. If our buyers didn't like the tax base of California before or the politics, they're certainly not gonna like it now. So the only thing is we mostly need to get them to come here physically. We've got restaurants reopening and hotels have been open, restaurants reopening and casinos are gonna start to open at the end of this month. So we need them to physically get here as well too. So I think that is a little bit of a hiccup, but then back to the Raiders, you know, we'll see how the NFL turns out for everybody, but certainly everybody's bullish on Vegas with all of the pro sports teams coming. You know, we've got hockey, um, NFL's coming, they're building, you know, an NBA stadium. So, but not saying anything about it, although we already have a WNBA team. So the the nose is under the tent um, there. So, you know, on that call we were talking a lot about the, Raiders or pro football players or pro players, those guys tend to be early on, they tend to be renters rather than buyers. A lot of the players are renters early on. And then, of course, right now, and we were on a call yesterday about a high rise, we're seeing mostly a move to bigger properties and homes versus high rise.
0: Yeah. And talking about renters and feeder markets, Matt, that's kind of a good tee up for you, because being in Hawaii, of course, the rental market's always big for you. But I'm sure I know that has taken a hit. And then feeder is difficult when people aren't able to come or leave Hawaii.
3: Well, the state's effectively still closed. So, and as of yesterday, extended through the month of June. So, you know, there's there's really Almost no airlift to Hawaii right now, and safe to say that the luxury market is almost entirely given by people from out of state and out of the country. While there were quite a few people who came to their you know, second home or came to Hawaii to sort of ride this out, there's just no new prospects right now. We're still doing deals, you know, with the people that are here. Interestingly, you know, there's uh, a lot of people who may have had their second home in Hawaii or third home in Hawaii uh, on the market who subsequently took it off because they'd rather be here than wherever their, their home is. So you know, there's no shortage of private jets at any airport in the state right now because a lot of people come here for this. And so we're still seeing trades sort of out on the tail uh, and we're doing some sight unseen, even really in the high end. Uh, we closed a $37 million trade in March and that whole transaction was all kind of through through this. Uh, actually, it may, it may. I think it's closed in April and initiated in March because we've got another couple of very significant ones that are, you know, being negotiated right now. But it's kind of all insider, you know, people that are here now. Even after June, when the sort of you know shelter-in-place proclamations are lifted. We still expect the, the demand for quarantine. So right now, when you fly to Hawaii, you expect it to quarantine in place for 14 days. And if that's in a hotel room, it literally means in the room. It's safe to say most people probably aren't going to be very keen to do that. And for whatever reason, I think largely political, the, the state has basically outlawed single-family vacation rentals right now. That poses a challenge, too, because it's safe to say most people would prefer to go through that process in a private home than in a hotel room. So that's going to further delay people visiting. So you know, we're in this challenge of trying to navigate when we expect the airlift to pick back up. And even then, I don't think any airline's going to go from you know sort of full capacity to 10% and then back up to full overnight, right? I mean, that's going to be a long, slow process. The Department of Travel, I think, basically created an exception for the carriers that were flying direct to the neighbor islands so they don't have to keep those routes. Their PPP money was tied to maintaining those routes. So that exception means there will be far fewer direct flights to the neighbor islands of Hawaii through the month of September. That means everyone will have to come through Honolulu or, you know, fly private. There's no shortage of people that will fly private, but, but it's safe to say, if you're traveling with, you know, your family and your friends and everything, you're trying to minimize the number of stops. And so, Uh, even the inner island travel, just the the capacity isn't going to be there. So I I think it's going to be a a much slower process to kick off the the luxury market, especially because we'll just have fewer prospects in the market, really, for the next couple of quarters, at least.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so Frank, how about you? I mean, you certainly like Kristen, you have a lot of clients who come from California or that also go to Matt's market, but you also have a lot of you know, local Scottsdale, Phoenix, you know, primary residents. So Angie just finished a showing. So tell us what's going on in your market.
5: I would say it's pretty hot. So everyone who's looking is sincere. They're buying less showings, but meaningful showings. Sellers are anxious and they're looking at offers rather than saying, go get me more or "Get, get something different. They're working with what we have on the table, which is amazing. Great great transactions are taking place at the moment. I would say even we'll see record-breaking sales, just like John mentioned earlier. He's riding on a a big ticket item and we're working on several as well. Big, big ticket items that that never, never took place in the history of Arizona. They're coming from other markets. We just closed today with a race car driver. That industry is moving here. California Buyers, California, so-called entrepreneurs, moving their entire company or building residency here, is very popular. We closed earlier this week with a gentleman that had his company under contract for 50 million dollars in Southern California. He established residency here. He was looking for a five-six million dollar property, and when the COVID came in, you know that buyer went on freeze extended their due diligence period so his price point changed but his appetite buying something different is still on the table so we're going to see a lot of transactions and a lot of cash coming in the marketplace i think that higher higher numbers was all surprising i think more and more people are going to be looking to exit just like those other people because they're not on the market and they they, maybe their urgency is up they're going to be looking at options like auctions You know I'm a firm believer in this company, always have been, because how you run it, how you manage it, the people uh, that you reach and constantly are in touch with, and your
1: rate of conversions. I mean, to me, it's meaningful. So Frank, I think it's kind thanks for that. It seems interesting in that I was speaking with a, a Beverly Hills broker this week, who has been actually out showing properties to buyers in the desert communities, like you know Bighorn, for example or the Madison club, you know, normally those communities by this time of year are pretty much shut down in terms of people, you know, it's starting to be pretty hot and whatever. And and so the club facilities are open, the clubhouse amenities, food, etc. So are you thinking in your market, are you seeing a similar thing where normally the snowbirds are already gone, but they're, but they're staying? Yes, they are
5: staying for two reasons. They say the heat And it's all over the news. The heat will kill all the virus. So before it it touches you, it's it's already burned, which is great. I hope it's true. You know, we're like a gentleman that bought a big home and built into it, built another 5,000 square feet. So he's all in a lot more or a person that bought a property in a down market, remodeled it for another 12 million. So they're all in in the 20s and 30s. We're reaching out to them for inventory and they don't want to sell. You know, that's surprising because again, Chicago, Calgary, Vancouver buyer who bought and they're enjoying it. Uh, so they are making Arizona their primary residence and they're staying here longer. So yes, Chad, that is that's that's a fact.
0: And talking about that that ultra high end of the market, we we've definitely seen more inquiries, more interest from sellers with. 10 million plus, 20 million plus, 30 million plus properties right now that are looking to, you know, to sell them. And more than our velocity had been in that category, pre-COVID. So John, you operate in in those price points and again, made that big offer this morning. Um, Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your market.
4: Well, Laura, Chad, thank you for having me this morning. We, I absolutely love you guys and love being affiliated with you. I feel like I'm a part of this very, exclusive global network. And Frank, uh, you're the man in Arizona. And uh, Kristen's uh, great to hear about Las Vegas. I got to think Las Vegas probably been the hardest hit market, given the fact that 100% of everyone was laid off. And uh, Matt, very interesting to hear about what's happening in Hawaii and how you guys are handling it. But I, I, you know, before COVID, right before COVID, I had a listing on Harbor Island, and my guy's a billionaire. And I said, hey, let let me just put this on here. We'll ask an outrageous price. Uh, Weird things are happening. I think I could, you know, maybe double your money because I sold it to him a few years ago. And so that was the strategy. And uh, it was, I guess, in February. And, you know, our March market was, it was up 60% before the COVID announcements hit and and then 80% canceled. But so he called me back and he said, well, you know, I get our strategy was to try to set a record and make a lot of money with this listing. But he said, given what's going on, he said, should we take it off the market? I said, absolutely not. I said, we have a demand problem. No, no question about that. Our pendings are down 126%. But I said, we also have a supply problem. You know, our inventory is off 43%. And I said, you got to think about how many billions of dollars we're, were taken out of the stock market. Banks received five times the monthly deposits as normal in March. And I said, there's all that cash out there that is looking for a safe haven, it's looking for a home. And uh, sure enough, we've got an offer coming in close to asking on that Harbor Island house. So I'm very, very glad that, you know, he didn't just follow the logic that, hey, the market's uh, in a crisis and we should pull the inventory. Because he's going to get rewarded for keeping his hook in the water, and we are seeing. I, I think I told Chad this earlier. Back in 2009, a year after the market crashed in 2008, I think I sold six houses over 30 million dollars in, in Orange County, which seemed really strange to me because you know you had you had hysteria in the market. We were in a crisis. All the lenders were down. It was a mess. But I think it was the same thing. You had a lot of cash on the sideline, looking for safe havens or dividends. I think we'll, uh, like Frank, we'll probably set a couple Orange County records this year. I'm working actually on two deals around 100 million, and we wrote an offer this morning for 50. But you know the market's not all rosy. We're uh, our general volumes off probably 60% this month, and I was really hoping that we'd see a a V, kind of a V bounce. populating into june and and we're not seeing it our, our June is not shaping up from a uh, from a general volume standpoint at all so i I think we're in a curve here guys. I think it's going to be heavy you know tough sledding for a lot of these price points moving forward, which makes me thrilled that uh, I have you as an option to refer people to that need to tap their assets a little bit quicker than normally
0: as far as the insights that y'all are giving to your clients right now. I mean, John, yours of leaving that one on the market clearly was was the right direction for him or her t- to go. I'm interested, Matt, in your market, what are y'all speaking towards as far as advice for buyers and sellers right now? Say your one tidbit for sellers that I loved from a couple weeks ago.
3: Oh just that taking your home off the market isn't a good strategy for selling your home. Yeah like yeah that I mean I, fortunately the dataset's quite small right so so these aren't you know, overwhelming number of conversations and so you're allowed to kind of have a little bit of nuance and individuality in each each case and really look at what depending on what side of the of the ball they're on a buyer or a seller really counsel them specific to their needs right so you know I'm cautioning everyone to make kind of really broad stroke futuristic statements about you know whether or not it's going to be a v or a u or a w or uh safe to say you know, there's no shortage of just absolute soothsaying and future predictions you know we're we're dealing with really micro markets and you know specific details and 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 I think as it pertains to real luxury, especially in the very high end, I think there's going to be a lot of price supports because. Kind of for what I said, you know, everyone has sort of fled to their second, third home. And those of us that I think are, you know, experiencing these assets, it really is like I'm more grateful for my house and where it is on the planet than I ever have been. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that sentiment's going to carry through. And it's not just a, a pride, but it's an acknowledgement of, you know, what really matters in life and and the, the real essence, the real quality of, of, you know, these these assets. So. I think that's going to create some price support. So there's kind of this, it's almost like a, a club feel where it's like, if you can even get in, you're lucky. So I think in the, in the very high end, I, I don't think any of us are really expecting, you know, save for individual circumstances, you know, huge margins, huge, huge deals. I do think there's going to be pent up demand on both sides, listing and, and buying, because there's a lot of people that are, I mean, we're just fielding calls. When can I come? How can I get there? Where are the deals? You know, there's, there's demand. And there's a lot of people that, for whatever reason, are holding off and waiting to list their property. So there'll be a, some, you know, activity that comes pick a month in July or August. And still, we're still doing deals, right? So there are people that are even buying sight scene or that happen to be on island and ready to shop. And so it's really case by case. That's, it, you know, it's pretty small data sets that we can really, really drill into individuals needs. And we don't have to kind of get into predicting the future. You know, it's safe to say we're going to, very obvious to us with our own backlog, and you know, we're the largest listing brokerage in the state. So it's not like a completely erroneous statement to say that there will be a a lot of inventory that comes back once the shelter in place is lifted on on really every island. And then I think too, you know, people that might be really experiencing, you know, challenging economic, the foundations of our economy have just been so radically changed that I think in the coming months, People may realize they really do need to sell their home or their second home or their third home or whatever it might be. And so that realization may come over the course of, you know, as this thing plays out over the course of many months or quarters. You know, in terms of council, it's very specific and very you know, sort of nuanced. But I do think we're gonna see a return of a lot of inventory here come, you know, July and August.
0: Right. Which hopefully will be in keeping with the demand, the opportunity for people to start looking and, and buying at that point
3: it, it may be it may be a little skewed at, at that point because i, I think what will happen is we'll start putting things on the market but people won't yet really be able to get here so there's going to be this kind of uh you know if you can take advantage of it it's that's and that goes back to that club feel it's like if you if you can even get it you know and it, so like what we're seeing now for example is buyers they'll contract on something and it'll be subject to their you know figuring out how to view it Which is actually, if you think about it, it's it's sort of similar to your approach. It's really a brilliant way to go about it. You kind of get all the headache of negotiation and all those details out of the way. You get a contract, you've got a window, whatever that window is, 10, 14, 21 days. Buyer comes and the deal can go together that way. So we're seeing that. I think we'll see more of that. But again, it really is uh, case by case. And and I think from a value standpoint, we're all having this kind of renewed love affair with with our homes in this place. It's kind of yeah. interesting in, in terms of, I think we're
1: in this window of time where, you know, what you're seeing is the real sellers and the real buyers are finding each other. And, you know, we just launched three properties in Aspen, fantastic properties, a $20 million property, a $23 million property and a $30 million property or $24 million, a $30 million property. And originally our game plan was, and this is for a repeat seller, we actually sneak preview. He'll be on Block Talk next Friday. Um, so this seller so sell will be interesting um, to gain his perspective. You know, the original plan was to sell in kind of the core summer season in Aspen, which was the latter part of July. And collectively, we made the decision to move the sale up. And the, the thesis being that there are people there now that normally it's mud season in Aspen and people are you know headed back to the Northeast, wherever they're, you know, you know, that's not the time you're there, but people are staying and there are people who are looking and there are people looking to upgrade. And so we launched, we soft launched the properties today. They are officially going to cross the, the wire over the weekend. And we already have, you know, interest, including offers. So yeah. I think that goes to show you that, you know, there is demand and, and in this particular, salary, they have, you know, they have no mortgage data on all three properties. So there's, they're not selling for any other reason other than they've got good product, they want to find buyers, and then they want to, you know, they're they've got a long-term view, and they're probably going to reload and buy more land and build again. Um, so good timing for them,
3: I think. Anyway, so. yeah, one one thing that's worth mentioning is that we we hit a record spike in our site traffic a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's it's not at all. Insignificant. I mean, it. it we cracked ten thousand people a day, and we we're only. I was only looking at a three-year segment because we we sort of scraped our site and launched again in, in you know, late seventeen, I think. You know, most of our approach with this new platform has really been on kind of long tail search, you know, organic lead generation. So we're we're pumping out a ton of content. We're enrolling people from afar. We're really. Getting into the details. The theory being that there's just no shortage of like real estate search websites, right? Like, I mean, you can, you can find innumerable IDX or, or RETS feeds and, you know, look at the product, but we are gauging around, you know, the actual, what, you know, what it's like to live here, all the details and then, you know, enrolling people that way. So, and that was very effective and it has been for, for many, many years. Now what we're seeing is both partly, of course, because everyone's, at home and online and you know looking at things but i think the demand is so significant and what's happening is not just this spike so we went from 6500 7 thousand people a day to ten thousand people but it's also what they're looking at originally that platform kind of worked and we were i mean it worked really in spades where most of our lead generation is in long tail content and in real you know details about neighborhoods or farmers markets or just pick a thing or uh, agent bio pages right so you know, you find an agent who's been in the military or happens to have a horse farm or whatever it is, and you sort of form a bond. And that's how the, the lead generation works. What we're seeing with the new traffic is really commodity specific focus, right? So they're not looking at, you know, where the farmer's market is, or what what it's like to live in that neighborhood, they want to see listings. And so the percentage of, of traffic that was this more kind of esoteric Long-distance thinking has just shifted radically to like, no, just show me the listing and like, click on it. How can I see it? You know, give me, I want information on that. And so we're responding to that because it it shows the kind of intensity of demand. It's safe to say that's also on both sides of the ball. We have a lot of sellers who are I'd call are kind of not pre-wired, so they come in and use our site to vet you know the market and agents and that kind of thing. But it is significant how quickly. Uh, Both the traffic spiked and the attention went from sort of research and kind of broader stroke topics to just straight to the commodity and straight to listing.
0: Yeah, totally. So let's talk about pricing, Kristen, with the impact that your market has had. What are you thinking on how prices may or may not adjust, how they maybe already are in today's environment? And then what do you see in the next few months?
2: and this is all very micro market specific. So in Las Vegas, we, our inventory is at an all time low, you know, to Matt's point, when we're talking to sellers, you know, I'm completely in agreement with Matt that not having your house on the market is a horrible strategy to sell in your house. Two is the absorption rate for Las Vegas, we tend to be a longer lead market. We don't have multiple offers at the luxury level like some other markets. So we tend to be on the market a lot longer than most. You know, our days on market, our average is about 200. For me, for sellers, I would rather have them price effectively and a little aggressively to entice the buyer because I feel like. Listen, the best hedge to having your house, selling your house too soon is the best hedge to holding on too long. If they're real sellers, you know, we need to be in that fair market value range. You know, sometimes you can't, if the house is so unique, you know, we'll go down the concierge auction path because it's the best way for the, that that. Seller to get um, the buyer on their own time frame, so that's one thing on the seller side. Then on the buyer side, the buyers are standing on the sideline, waiting for prices to diminish and and be reduced. And so we are not seeing that in Las Vegas, just because two reasons: one, lack of inventory; two, money's so cheap, so that it's balancing out the pricing. So for me, on the buyer side, I'm saying, hey in April, collectively, probably was our lowest point together. Now each state will start to come back some faster, like Vegas will Nevada will come back faster than Hawaii, obviously. But for my buyers, I love writing offers when you know, we're in the deepest, darkest cave you can possibly be in without any light shining through. So you're starting to see the light shining through. And I think, you know, Buyers, you want to ride the bad news down and start writing offers there because you can, you know, you can talk about the whole time for sellers could be six months or, or nine months later. And what is that differential? But so, and then the unknown is fantastic for buyers. So when you start to have light come in the cave Right, So you can see light at the end of the tunnel and then the good news happens or maybe they're testing a vaccine. By the time the vaccine comes, the buyers, it's all, we we go back to to a level playing field again. So anyway. True,
0: I I agree with that, Kristen. And then some of the other questions that we're getting, I'm kind of gonna merge, start merging the Q&A because as we're talking, the questions are kind of coming in line with a lot of the points that we're talking about. So we'll start making it a little more dynamic here. To that point, Kristen, John, some of these questions are strong to California, like Michael's talking about industry that's moving out of California and going to other places and Elon Musk selling his properties. And, and are these things in indicative, You know, the move of industry? What do we think is going to happen to California as a result of changes?
4: I call him Lord Newsome, our governor's. He's really good at chasing people to Texas and Arizona and Las Vegas. (laughs) And he's been um, very dynamic lately in his uh, desire to control our beaches and and, uh, really upset a lot of Californians. And I'm hearing more lately now. I want to get out of California than I've ever heard. There's a lot of people that want to stay, including myself. (laughs) But, you know, with regard to pricing, it's, it's interesting. I think, Frank, you touched on it earlier. Sometimes uh, when the market's really hot, you know, your sellers always want to ask ridiculous prices. I did a, a, a analysis the other day and suggested uh, that a new a, a condo on the bay with a dock should come on the market for three two nine five. And he looked at me and he said, "Let's go at two four nine five, right?" And so I I think we're finding a just a window of Time where you know, sellers are a lot more reasonable to pricing and taking deals that make sense. One thing I would say when I look at California,
1: in our experience, and, and we, we do a lot of business there in the upper tier, is you know, our buyers are people that make their money elsewhere or have made their money already and aren't concerned about the 15% state income tax and they figure out how to make sure they're not there more than 180 days and everything else. But you know, we have a International buyer in our database that's been floating around for some time and they're getting out of the country they're in because of COVID, and they want to go to California and they want to be in Beverly, Beverly Hills, Bel Air, or Brentwood, right? And I don't care, you know, like they're dead set on that's where they want to be. And they want to be there because it's known for amazing real estate and the climate. I mean, I was there this week and thought to myself, wow, like it's pretty hard to beat this climate. You know, I think that in the upper tier, there's always going to be demand for that. And I think the other thing, not to get too political, but if you look at what happened in 08 and 09, you know, the upper class got wealthier and the middle class shrunk. And my personal theory on this is the same thing is going to happen again. And it's just going to perpetuate that. And I think that's going to drive demand, you know, for upper end properties. But I think that the middle is going to get squeezed. And like it has been, and that's, I don't think that trend's gonna reverse itself. You look at mortgage forbearance rates, they were at 2% pre COVID, they're at 8% right now. And my experience on, you know, looking at the 08, 09 crisis is a lot of those people in forbearance, that was just the first step to foreclosure, it kind of staved off the inevitable, as sad as that is. And I think that's where, in the long term, the luxury market's gonna do well because affluent people are gonna do, do well in this. I am very leery of the the middle term where, you know, once the stimulus wears off and whatever real damage has been done, I think it's gonna be rough out there in the back half of the year. I
4: really do. One of the things that I think will impact us more than we realize is what we're doing right now. You know, my schedules change from driving all over town, meeting people in their houses to Sitting here, Zoom after Zoom after Zoom after Zoom, and and actually, you know, being a lot more efficient with my time, and the whole world's experiencing the same thing, and people are starting to wake up, saying, "Well, I, I don't need to go to my office ever again, and I don't need to live near L.A. to get to my office, so why don't I move to Coeur d'Alene, and uh, I can do my Zoom from there? Why don't I move to Bozeman, Montana, and why don't I, you know, why don't I go to Aspen?" And I'm hearing a lot of that. I, I, I see a lot of our wealthy clients getting ready to list their house because they just went and bought something at the montage, just looking for a little more space, a little more nature, learning that they don't they don't have to go to the office anymore.
1: In the commercial real estate space, I think you're right. You know, offices, I think it was a Twitter this week, announced that work from home for forever, right? So I don't know how much square footage office space they have, but I'm sure it's a lot of it. I'm sure it's class A space. That's going to happen. J.C. JCPenney, I think they filed bankruptcy today or it's happening on Monday. Neiman did. So those are two big boxes at a lot of malls that are going to be gone. A lot of, you know, this is accelerating a lot of change that was already happening. And, you know, and the same thing, with that affluent client, it's like, You know, I can run run my hedge fund from my beachfront house in Kauai. I can get up at three in the morning, but my people are stopping, you know, stop bothering me about noon. I go surfing. Kind of sounds appealing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And actually, as you all were talking, we're getting some questions. Even it's funny because the question will come in and then you all will touch on something that's very similar. So our listeners, everyone who's on is kind of trending the same way. As our heads are. Yes, Matt.
3: I just wanted to flag for Chad that there's actually no surf on Kauai. If you want to surf, you have to go to a different island like Oahu or Maui. It's
0: Kauai. not allowed? Hey, the no, locals
3: are just are coming, trying
0: to. <laughs> well, yeah, when, when John was saying the Californians moving to Texas, I gave my hook'em horns, but then, you know, right. we don't want so
3: right. many more people moving here. Yeah. So. That's what I was saying. You have to go to Maui or Oahu, there's no surf.
0: So, uh, Billy Long is listening in. Hi, Billy. And Billy started typing or he typed a question about remembering 2008. And actually for Frank, I think this would be a good one for for you to speak up towards since you do have velocity in your market right now. If a seller is calling you and they want a new listing or they're talking about, you know, how do I sell today? Billy says that sellers who slashed their prices in 2008 and sold early were the winners. And do we see a similar projection coming out of COVID?
5: Selling too early. Well, It's amazing what, you know, a decade does in fashion and style. So we're seeing, you know, people come in, you know, and they want the numbers, but they don't have the product. And, you know, we're seeing the younger money are buying the lighter palettes. They're buying that color, that that style that everybody else wants. And they don't want to go through a whole, whole lot of remodel. It's painful for them. And. Time matters, so it, it all depends on the product. I say orientation, condition, size, uh, style, all of it matters. And then for us, for the longest time, nobody was buying these monster homes. To John's point, you know, he's getting these millionaires getting their millions, but then billionaires walk in and buying the millionaires out, and which is amazing because it's the Asia market, it's the Europeans they're coming here and they can. And for this, all the good same reasons we all talked about, because they can yeah. work and operate remotely and they say, you know what? I'm not going to do it when I can't enjoy it. So people are spending their money. We're excited about it because it's just telling people to come on the market is definitely a good thing because locally here, when other people move in the marketplace and they can't start, start a business or they don't want to start a business, guess what they become? An investor again, everybody's an investor, everybody's buying, everybody's hiring, remodeling, and then they're asking for their spread. That spread of 15, 20, 25% is out there. And there are people making 50% spread because they're smart about it. Different price point, different product. It's good for the local economy here.
0: So are we telling, are we you, um, telling sellers today, if you really want to sell, like, let's get ahead of the market and be really aggressive or reduce your price and sell now because shadow inventory may be coming on because of what everybody's going through right now. And you may as well get ahead of it. Or are you telling like a wait and see kind of suggestion?
5: Two things. Do we have access? And are they motivated enough? So, if I can't show it, I can't sell it. And commitment. I need their commitment, fully committed. I said, we're partners. When we go through this, you know, we're working together and you can't be beating me up and yourself up to do this. So, we discuss the process and the terms so we can arrive there. But they're realizing if they take themselves out of the market, They're not going to be there. They're seeing someone else selling and that could have been theirs. Maybe it's the same pallet, but it's sold down the street. And they're calling us saying, I made a mistake. And I just had one in the town of Fountain Hills. And he's on the top of the crown and it's priced higher than the gated community. So he had no chance, but he's seeing other ones, you know, the absorption is there. And he says, do you think it's a good time to go in? Yes, it is. If they can't find it there, then they'll go out and buy it in the nine-gated section and they'll come to your price. And and he's becoming more reasonable to allow, before it was like, okay, did you check them out? And I said, well, you know, I'm not working with them. Another broker, and I'm relying on that broker who had qualified them and they're, I'm taking their word for it. Well, do this and do that and the, and the other. Well, right now it's just saying, you know what, as long as they have, a mask on, and, you know, all this other stuff, then, you know, they can come in and take a look at it. So
1: wouldn't you just say to summarize, though, Kim, you know, Billy obviously is in the, one of the top ranch brokers in in the country. I think I'd break it into two points. I think one of the things you're saying is, you know, if you if if you don't sell and we go into a deeper correction, your fresh, perfect house in 10 years is going to be really dated. And one thing, and maybe, you know, COVID will change consumers' behavior to be more like our grandparents of like a depression era mindset where they kept the same you know range for 50 years but the consumers that we see in the upper end you know if something's 3 years old it's dated the point is like if you have something that's fresh and perfect right now and you try to wait it out it's not going to be it's I think in the land and ranch space it's going to be interesting I think there's going to be in the early stages of this there're going to be some people rotating from more volatile assets to longer term holds. So I think that's, that's a plus in the acreage space, plus the trend to get out of urban areas and into wide open spaces. At the flip side, you know, oil was at a dollar two weeks ago. Now it's come back to 20 bucks. But, you know, a lot of these people from the great state of Texas and a few from Oklahoma, John included, like ranches, but are they going to be buying ranches, you know, with oil, at ups up $30. I really think across the board, you look like, you know, I don't know who it is, probably Warren Buffett, if anybody says this, you know, selling early at a profit and getting 85% of the possible upside versus trying to hold out for the last penny, probably, you know, not a smart move. So Billy, the new currency is
5: space. A lot of people wanted a lot of space. So I was kind of worried about these high density condo units, what's what's gonna to happen to them as people wanna be not in an elevator with another person or whatever. So I think you're in good space there. And supply and demand. I mean to, to Chad's point, you know, if the supply is low, bring it on. Supply is high, take it out because you know you'd be competing with a lot more opportunity.
0: We have quite a few questions in and around the current environment of COVID facilitating showings and clients wanting to buy sight unseen. What are some points that some of you are using to help buyers feel comfortable purchasing sight unseen? I know we have quite a few. And then this is a question that I hadn't thought of before. Um, What's the process for decontamination of a house after COVID? If you're selling the house, is there any process that people are going through? I know we're doing a lot of talking about taking care of viewing showings and what we're doing during showings, but I don't know if anyone's heard about cleaning a house or do you just keep it there for two weeks until the virus may be gone?
5: I have no clue. All we have here is sunshine, vitamin D, and that's it. That cures everything. Sorry. Yeah, that's...
2: Kristen.
1: Are we supposed to all be drinking Clorox?
2: <laughs> <laughs> just with straws. Um yeah. Okay. So I know this sounds crazy, but you know, the company Terminex, it's normally like a pest control company. They've come out with a fantastic sanitizing and disinfectant product for homes. So in Las Vegas, we've teamed up with them here. And then so they're working on all of our homes just to clean it, you know, which is a higher level than Let's say like Mary Maids or something like that. We also invested in UV lights and UV light. I I could bring it in. Um, we use it in our office too. So every night in our office, we turn on the UV light and that disinfects our space too, in addition to all of our, you know, janitorial stuff too. So yeah, Google it. Terminex, I mean, I think they're a national company, but they they just launched that whole sanitized and disinfectant line for houses.
0: Well, I'll speak towards the the sight unseen aspect because we, in our business, we've always had a portion of our buyers that are purchasing sight unseen. And it definitely is higher now, especially when there were full shelters in place. Um, We had a number of properties that we sold towards the end of March and through April that the bidder counts, for example, we may have out of six bidders only one of them had been physically to see the property and five had not um, but what we are experiencing is a lot of clients are sending their one relying more on their real estate agents than ever to be their eyes and ears and you know having a local agent go on their behalf and do the you know tour with them on their phone and show them the property as well as we're having a lot of you know virtual events at the properties that people can go and see them. Uh, While our salesperson and the agent are showing around the property, even we've had some people on our team talk about having exclusive preview events where they're having a bottle of wine delivered to the invitees and asking everyone like get together for your cocktail hour at the same time and let us show you around the house. With that invitation. But we have found that with offering enough diligence materials, enough research ahead of time, and again, the buyers having some sort of personal relationship and trust in someone that has seen the property, that there is quite a bit of confidence in them in bidding in properties sight unseen right now. Matt?
3: I think if there are a lot of other agents on the call, uh, I think it's you know, it's extremely important now more than ever to, as we use these virtual tools and if we're doing, you know, just even a FaceTime showing that our, you know, the value that we bring, the distinctions that we have about about the commodity and about the location, it's just so important to just pour those on thick because I think we kind of take for granted that we're just sometimes passively sharing this information during a showing. But when, when the client's not there, you know you'll find that they just they really lean on that on that knowledge and we, we just have to kind of keep keep engaging and keep pouring it on as, as thick as we can and so that because you'll find too that you, you'll send a recording or something and people will play it back and they'll what was that he said about the cut of the counter and you know what's this with the hardware and oh that you know so you really want to get into specifics uh, and i think the more you can do that the the more you can kind of ease the concerns for at least initiating a contract side unseen and then you can set it up to kind of win you know in advance you don't I think the days at least you know for the next several months the days of maybe save for frank but <laughs> the days of sort of putting people in your car and going and doing a showing of 10 homes probably over right so uh, the more we can use these tools in advance the more we can bring our you know knowledge to the table the better so i I just really strongly encourage us to be mindful of that
0: agreed Well, we're up against the hour now. Thank you everyone for submitting your questions. We didn't get to every question, but we will follow up with those who we weren't able to get to. So first and foremost, as we wrap up, I wanna thank everyone here, Matt and Kristen and Frank and John, thank you for your time and everything that you give to us as experts all the time. The podcast of today's episode is gonna go live next week on our website, blocktalknow.com. Look for it there and also for upcoming Block Talk episodes. Thank you everyone for being on the line and have a good rest of your day and weekend.
4: Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, everyone.